Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you that you are our Father. And we have a relationship with you because of your Son, Jesus. Because Jesus said, I'm the way and, and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for being willing to pay the price, to pave the way that we can have a relationship with you and Father. I pray that you help us to gain a greater, uh, not just appreciation intellectually, but a deeper sentiment in our heart and our spirit for the love you have for us and the relationship that you desire for us to have for you and even also the relationship that we have with you right now as you touch our heart and as you use us, Father, to bring you glory and to touch your heart too. So I ask, Father, that you bless this message and that you're present it and that people will walk away with uh, truth from your throne through your word, uh, uh, touched and blessed by you, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And we talked about getting closer to God, and of course, can't get close to somebody unless you talk to them, right? And prayer is talking to God, as Don was saying. Over those last five weeks, as I said, I've been talking about messages on how to draw closer to God. That very first week, I mentioned the fact that we need to be involved in prayer to grow, grow close to God. For the next few weeks, I want to talk to you more in depth about our prayers. And prayer is so important. Some people are very intimidated by praying, at least publicly. Some are, and that's it, you don't have to pray publicly. I'm not saying everybody has to pray publicly. But prayer sometimes can be intimidating even personally and privately. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel like you're able to step into that arena easily to pray. It is a spiritual warfare, but we need to remember to break through that spiritual warfare of focus of prayer by being focused intentionally, and we will break through that distraction to where we're focused on God and our communion with him in prayer. So I'm going to talk more in depth about prayers. I'm going to talk about the prayers of the apostles. We're going to be looking at that over the next few weeks. And amazingly, sometimes people feel like they just don't know where to start out in prayer. Uh, what was it that Don said about prayer? Prayer is simply talking to God, right? So however, just talk to him. That's all he wants. He wants us to talk to him. We don't have to be eloquent. We don't have to use big words. We don't have to be long or or have any particular style of prayer. God just wants our heart to be open with him and to talk to him. So prayer is simply talking to God. You've heard it before, we know it now, and I'll repeat it still. In order to, to know a friend, we've got to have communion or talk with them, be, uh, be around them and commune with them. Uh, just like having a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Oh, I gotta reverse it because I'm a guy. Having a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you didn't catch that, that's right. That having a girlfriend or a boyfriend that we desire to have that relationship and develop that relationship with the Lord. In real life, we don't have trouble striking up conversation, most of us, with one another. We don't have much trouble calling a friend or a family member or anything like that, but for some reason, going to God in prayer and spending time with God in prayer is not something, you know what, I'm kind of bored today, I think I'll go pray and talk to the Lord. <laughs> we don't think that way. But really, prayer, as you know and I know, is to be uh, an everyday essential part of our daily walk, moment by moment, through the, the day of our walk with God. And it's also to be that intentional time of prayer where we're just separate and on the phone with God, if you will. Had a 
a friend of mine years and years ago when he died, they put a, a back in the days when they had phones, you picked up the handle and you had to dial the dial, right? They had, they had a blue plastic uh, contemporary phone uh, on top of his uh, casket of flowers. God called me home. <laughs> and so, uh, but that was all right. You know, whatever it took, he was focusing on the fact that, hey, here's my time, God called me home. But the point I want to make is that he was focused on that communion with God through talking with God and listening to God and responding to God. So um, uh, when Kathy and I were dating, couldn't wait to talk to her, right? Um, so that's the way it should be. And that should be in our, in our marriage. Can't wait to talk to them, uh, uh, get a hold of them, run things by them, whatever. They're our, they're our best friend. They're our soulmate. And so that's how, how that ought to be. And that's how it should be with God. That God should be, in essence, our soulmate. <laughs> Does that make sense? We relate that sexually, but I don't mean that, obviously, that way. But in the intimacy of the heart relationship with with God, like the intimacy with our with our uh, husbands or wives, that's a that's a deep intimate thing. And Scripture even points to that marriage is a reflection of God and the church, and 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 the the uh, the, uh, the work of God through the church. So um, we need to have that type of heart relationship with God, where we love being with Him, where we are uh, um, just. Uh, just so um, intrinsically or spiritually tied so closely with him like we would with our own soulmate. And so that's important for us because it reaches down. What is a soulmate? It reaches down to the deepest part of who we are, right? That's what we're sharing with our soulmate. We can connect with the deep part with who we are. Well, that's what God wants with us. That's the, that's the picture. That's the correlation. God wants us to relate to him with that deep-seated soul of who we are with him and him with us and that's a wonderful thing to experience in Jesus isn't it when we really realize that God communes with us with that depth of of heart and we with him and knowing that we have that with God our father in heaven praise God for that so we should be excited to get to know him better uh, the recorded prayers of the apostles were brief at least the recorded ones were, right? They weren't long or windy, and it doesn't mean they have to be, it doesn't mean that they didn't have long prayers. I'm sure those apostles spent a lot of time with God in prayer, because they saw Jesus spend a lot of time with God the Father as well. And so they've had that example, they have that relationship, um, but, the, but the things that we see in Scripture, they don't have the big, long, lengthy prayers, but in their private time, I'm sure that they did. And so um, what did Jesus teach the apostles about prayer? We're going to go back to the Lord's Prayer. Did you know that the Lord's Prayer that we're, that we're so accustomed to hearing really is the, is the disciples' prayer? Because the, the disciples asked how should we pray, and he taught them how we ought to pray. The Lord's Prayer is found in John 17, when he prays for the saints and the oneness of the body. So Matthew 6, 5 through 7. And when you say you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men, assuredly I say to you, they have their reward. There have been times, not too many, where I'm at a conference or I'm somewhere and someone stands up and they pray. And you're trying not to be judgmental, but in my spirit there seems to be a sense of 
arrogance in their prayer and it's such a put off when our hearts are genuine with god that's not there and maybe my perception was wrong but we don't want to have that perception perceived on our part and so when we pray we pray to god with an open genuine uh, transparent heart but when you pray go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in a secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Remember what I said last week about, was it last week or the week before, about Charles Stanley and his first, his first studio apartment with his wife? They put a sheet across the corner of one of, uh, one of the corners in the apartment, and he said, that's my space. <laughs> that's my prayer room, that's my study room, that's my space. Sometimes we have to find a place that we can develop a habit of spending with God because if you don't have a habit of spending with God then we most likely will not have a habit of spending time with God does that make sense we can talk to him all day I'm talking about intentional quiet independent undisturbed prayer focus with the Lord and so verse 7 he says and when you pray do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think that they will be heard for their many words so our prayers are not to be used to show off to others. They are not to be vainly wordy or ritualistic or hypocritical. When I was first saved and I was getting involved in church, and church was so new and foreign to me and all that stuff, and they'd, in, in the congregation they'd say, who'd like to pray? And someone would stand up and pray, either opening or closing or just have a prayer. There was a prayer time that the church had corporately, that type of thing. I was so intimidated by that because I felt like, ooh, I could never get up and pray in front of people. But again, the emphasis is not that we are, that's not the objective, to pray in front of people, but the, the idea is to pray from a genuine heart that's not hypocritical, that's not intended to be showy or knowy or anything like that. In Jesus' day, religious leaders would deliberately pray with a hypocritical display of virtue. They wanted to use big words and statements about how good they were publicly in their prayers. So we get, so we, I think the point I'm trying to make is that we, we start to get intimidated because we have this image of what praying looks like and how we ought to pray. And there's no, there's no um, um, mandate that we have to look a certain way. But here God is giving us a model prayer. What's a model prayer? Model being it is an example. And he wants us to pray to the Father. So... Uh, public prayer isn't about who is listening to us or ourselves, but who we are talking to, God, okay? And all of us could pray publicly as God would lead us to, we rely on him. But many of us think we're not skilled enough. And what needs to be understood again is that we are focusing clearly on God, forgetting about the surroundings around us and who's listening to us, just talk to God. Um, you know, in all honesty, there are times when uh, today, even Sunday school, or and I'm not pointing fingers and making anyone feel guilty or anything like that. That's not my point. Oftentimes in leadership, when you're asking people to pray in group prayer studies or whatever, it's, it's hard. You only have a few that are willing. But, but um, because so many are feeling so intimidated from it. But there's something about that community of praying together and where we're all offering up our prayers as God would lead us to in that time. So if 
opportunity comes and someone's in your Bible study group, ladies or guys or Sunday school, wherever, the floor is open up for someone to open or close in prayer or for an issue. Um, uh, maybe God will put it on your heart to step up and pray for that because um, it has, it, 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 what's the point? There's a little side rabbit here. Um, there's a sense that, that develops a family unity when we're all praying together. When those times come when we pray publicly for one another and for certain things, it, it, it draws us in closer to each other and God wants us to be united that way. Okay, so why did the apostles' prayers not need to be full of a lot of words and religious, uh, and the religious like, the, like the religious leaders? Um, so let's look at Matthew 6a. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask them. God already knows what we need before we ask. He already knows, okay? Does that mean that we aren't supposed to ask him? Why do we need to ask God for things that he already knows that we need to ask? Pardon me? For our benefit. That we are, by faith, laying it down before God. By faith, we're trusting and trusting God with it. And by faith, we're looking to God to respond to it. If we don't do that, we don't gain that. And so we get the privilege of that interaction with God, and it builds our faith. Um, when we read Jesus' teachings on prayer, you find that he still wants us to ask what we need, but we explore uh, that. We explore a little bit more about that as we go along. So simply, Jesus wants us to do this. He wants this. Our prayers are to be sincere and real, not vain, and not just focused on our list of needs and wants. Is it, is it wrong to have a list of needs and wants? No. But there are, are other objectives that God will give us to pray for. Praying for others and praying for him and his, not for him, but praying for his kingdom work. <laughs> as well. So where does, where does prayer begin? And Jesus tells us that in Matthew 6, 9. In the model prayer, in this manner therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now every human being has a heavenly Father because God created every human being. But not every human, human being knows the heavenly Father. Right? That, that We've heard the statement, all children, all people are God's children. But not all of God's children, those that he created, know him as father. And that's only through faith in Jesus Christ as our savior. And so Jesus modeled addressing God as father when we're praying. Does this mean that the only time that this model is the same as Jesus saying, look, whenever you pray, you must first address the prayer as father dear father or father no it's a model prayer nothing wrong it's in, through the scriptures oh lord oh god my lord or lord my god or you know, it's not addressing father directly every time w what's the intent why is jesus saying uh that in our prayers that we start out with our father in heaven what's the intent for that it goes back to having that that soulmate depth of relationship that he wants us to have with our Heavenly Father. The reality that we can have a relationship with God is mind-blowing. 
The reality that God wants to have a relationship with us as a loving father, a perfect loving father that we can be just, just uh, as transparent with and, and trusting of as above anyone else is, is amazing to me, that we can do that with our father. It's like us guys going to our dad. We respect our dad, most likely. We go to our dad, we talk to him, we get viewpoints, whatever. We respect that, we gain from that. Um, for us to have that, that privilege, privilege in our prayer time to go to God as we would our earthly father and say, I need your help, I need your insight, I need your counsel, I need your wisdom, here's what's going on, and your trust and your love is deep and solid right there, how much more so is it with our Father in Heaven? Or at least how much more it ought to be with our Father in Heaven, right? Because that's the relationship that he wants us to have with him. So we don't have to start our prayer off by saying uh, our Father in Heaven. He's talking about our relationship. All right? But there is something about saying that in our prayer time. There's something about saying, Father, what do you get from that? You know, I'm a, that's not the prayer. I'm asking you. What do we get for that when we address Father? We're, we're, we're looking at him as, you're my Father. There's depth to that. There's meaning to that. There's significance to that. I'm coming to you and relying on you. All right? So, um, uh, Jesus, again, is emphasizing the fact that he wants us to, to develop that relationship with the Father. Again, going back to John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through me. How important was it that God the Father would have a relation, wa wanted us to have a relationship with him? It was important enough that he sent his son to die on, our cross, die on the cross for our sins and to pave the way for us to have a relationship with him. So how much do you think God the Father wants that deep, profound, um, uh, uh, heart-soul relationship with him? More than anything. That's what he wants. The Father was the most frequent manner in which the apostles addressed God in their prayers. So the apostles got the message from Jesus addressing the Father as a model, but as a relationship with him. So I want to look at some quick examples of how the apostles started off prayers. 2 Corinthians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. He's the Father of mercies. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it started off with. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the Father of glory. In Ephesians 3.14, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we were to go to God and say, blessed be the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, in prayer, it might shift some of our perspective in our prayer, right? And the greatness of the privilege of being able to approach our Father and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. 
In 1 Peter 1, 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So it was, God was addressed as God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane in John chapter 17, Jesus' prayer, okay, uh, th that one we could call the Lord's Prayer, all right? In John chapter 17, Jesus uses Father as well. And I can't help but think when Jesus rose from the grave and Mary was standing there in front of him and he acknowledged who he was and Mary saw who he was and he said, I go to my God and to your God, to my Father and to your Father. And we share that in Jesus Christ. He is our Father. And there's something uh, anchoring about a dad. I think that's why when our dads pass, that there's a certain sense of anchoring that's, that's shaken. But we carry that, we carry that um, the lessons learned from our dad. But our Heavenly Father, he's always there. He's always there. And our Heavenly Father is perfect, without error. And our Heavenly Father desires the deepest soul depth of relationship possible with us through faith in his son, Jesus. So we have a great opportunity. Most of us, when we think about our dads, we feel the, the love that we get from our dad or, or uh, the warmth or the comfort or the joy, and we can relate that way. But some may not have that picture with their, with their dad. But you know what? With your father in heaven, you have a greater opportunity for a greater relationship with your heavenly father who will be there forever and ever and ever. Personal testimony. Good, I got time. Um, no, the, um, when I was going through some things growing up, my parents were getting divorced, everything was crazy. Uh, I really feel, felt very isolated. And on that hour and a half bus ride to school, I prayed so much to God, my Father in heaven. And I, and I, just, I just need you to hold me. I just need you to hold me close. I just need you to just give me grace. I need your comfort. I need your help. I need you, need you, need you. The fact that I could go to my Father in heaven, literally acknowledging him, you are my Father. And, and my dad's not around. Okay? Everything's all mixed up. Everything's whatever. But you are my father. The fact that I could go to my father in heaven and cling to him in, de in desperateness and the depth of my own heart as a young man, man, that has never left me. God, our heavenly father, loves us and wants us to cling to him. So those of you that don't have fond memories of your dads with your relation and, and can't relate that way uh, as far as with God connecting, oh, this is how I had a relationship with my dad, therefore I can have the same with God the Father. No, and either whether it's positive or negative, the relationship we have with God the Father as our Heavenly Father is far greater than any earthly father can offer. Does that make sense? We have the opportunity to have a relationship with God the Father that way. So we need to start by remembering that we all have been adopted by God our Father. That adoption's a big deal. We know it's our salvation, but there's so much more in that adoption. 
Romans 8, 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of, of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. When we're adopted by God through faith in Jesus Christ, we need to understand that we are his family, we are his children, and that, that we are made new in him. We know that already, okay? Living as a child of God means an intimate, joyful relationship with God that brings a closeness and endearment that allows us to call him daddy. Abba is a word that's close to what daddy means in Hebrew. And God wants us to have that type of affection for him. Uh, as a child, I wrote in a little note here that as a child approaches his, his or her father with confidence and love, I can run to my dad. My dad will know what to do. I can get advice from him. I've got wisdom in him. I've got confidence in him. My dad's the greatest. Well, amen, yes, he is. <laughs> right? Amen. God, our Heavenly Father, is the greatest. Absolutely. Paul was referring to a Roman adoption process. When adopted, a child lost all rights in his old family and gained all the rights of his new family. The old life of the adopted child was completely wiped out. We are now the family of God with a new life in him. For us to approach, for us to pursue, for us to experience, for us to live in Christ. Nothing from the past counts against us in our relationship with God the Father. Amen. How many times has the devil brought up the past to try to drag you down in your relationship with God? You said, get out of my face. I'm already forgiven. God holds nothing against me, and I belong to him. He's adopted me. I'm his child. I'm his and his family forever. We can praise God for that. What else is great about being adopted by God our Father? Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Isn't that amazing? That God knew us before the foundation of the world and chose us to be his adopted children. Mind, that means when Jesus was on the cross, the hope set before him, what? Was the salvation of souls. He knew you and I. He knew our names. He knows us. He created us. We were the hope set before Christ that encouraged him to press through the cross of Calvary. And so, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. We are not arrogant to say, I am a child of God. And it's not supposed to be a blanketed, lighthearted statement. It is a reality. I am a child of God. Say that in your own mind. I am a child of God. And you are secured in, in Christ. You belong to him because of what he did for you on the cross and your faith in him. So God the Father chose us. God the Father wants us. 
wanted us, loved us, chose us, and made us his. We all now have the perfect father. I didn't have a perfect dad. You didn't either. I'm not a perfect dad. You're not a perfect dad. Man, if we can teach our kids to rely on their heavenly father, lead them to the Lord, help them to come to know Jesus as their savior, put their faith in him, really know him personally as their savior, right? And know that they have a heavenly father that's there forever. Look, we can approach God now easily in our prayer life, right? And it seems somewhat easy. But just think, when we're in heaven and we see Jesus and the Father's presence is there with us, and however that looks, however that is, that we can walk into the presence of the Father and sit down and talk with him. Mind-boggling. My mind is, I've told the Lord, I said, Lord, I just don't understand the dynamics of that. I don't get it. There are millions, billions of people that are going to be in heaven in eternity. There's not going to be enough time. And if I do, it's going to be brief. <laughs> and you know, God says, you know what? How many people on earth right now are believers in Christ? I don't know. Okay. Then he goes on, he says, he says so do I have a relationship and, a, 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 and am I able to commune with them? just like I am with you, even though there's so many? Yeah. But when we're in heaven, it's physical, Lord. We're going to be physically with, in heaven. So how are you going to get us there with you? The communion is going to be richer, deeper, purer, and more magnificent than what we have here. <laughs> but he's our heavenly father. Praise God for that. God chose us. In Matthew 6, 9 through 10, it says, In this manner, therefore, pray our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I spoke earlier about learning how to pray, what to pray for is more than what we ask. God already knows what we need or what we're going to ask. We pray for other people. We can add that to our prayer list or other circumstances. But our prayers should have a passion for God's glory and agenda. Do you hear that? What did Jesus say? Your kingdom come. What was, his, what was Jesus' heart's desire here? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth. Therefore, Jesus was focused on the will of the Father to be done on earth as it is in heaven. What he deems, what he ordains from his throne in heaven affects us now because he has a will for your life and my life and how we follow him now. And so our desire ought to be, Lord, what is your will? You know, life lately, I say lately, it always is crazy, full, and time flies by so fast. Every week is like, like, like that. Every year seems to go faster. Um, I saying in, in Sunday school class, well, 40 years or 50 years ago, I was, I'm going, wow, 50 years ago I was 17? Weird. So it just goes so fast. But what I've been doing of late, even more specifically in my personal prayer time with God, when I wake up in the morning, I say, God, it's so crazy. I never know what to expect each day. Will you please organize my day for me? Just structure it the way you want and help me to be faithful to you through it. Because I can see the things that I want to do that don't get done. I can see the things I want to do in ministry that don't get done. But I just want to be 
so tight and close with you today that I'm just simply in your will, accepting your will, no matter how it goes today, and just be faithful to you through it. And that's what he wants. Just be faithful to him and commune with him and be aware of what he is leading you to do and accept what he brings into your, into your life. Our prayer should have a passion for God's glory and his agenda. I want to do your will today. If I know that I can go to bed today knowing, 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 mind you, knowing in our heart, in our spirit, in our relationship with God, that I did your will, that I did your will today, that completed that work you had for me to do today, do today, and that was a completed day in Christ. And I can rejoice in that. I want to know that I live my life that way so that at the end of my life I can say, I did not miss the mark of your high calling on my life. But I have taken each day, each step, each moment with you the best that I can, which is always in need of improvement. You know what I'm saying? We always have opportunity to do better in Christ Jesus and through him. Now, it's not that God needs us to pray about his will getting done on earth because God will get his will done on earth without us. <laughs> right? He doesn't need us to get his will done. But what does he want? God wants to accomplish what he wants to through us for his glory. Um, he can do every, all, the, all the stuff we know he's going to do, he's going to do. But he wants to include us in that work. He is inviting us to participate in him in accomplishing his will on earth through our prayers, heart attitudes, and actions. What is your heart attitude? Father, I'm listening to you. Father, thank you for being my father. Thank you that I can come to you and just cling to you when I need to. Thank you that you're there for the wisdom, knowledge, counsel, everything I need. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Now I want to be in your will today, Lord, and I want to accomplish your will, and I want to be the person that you want me to be for your kingdom work and for your glory. These are things that we can address God on a daily basis. Doing God's will was Jesus' highest priority. So it's not religiosity, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm, not talking, I'm talking about a relationship with our Heavenly Father that, says, that has the heart of Jesus. Father, I want to do your will today. That's what God wants us to do. What is your will through whatever circumstance? Luke 22, 41 through 42. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I don't want to do that today. <laughs> you know? I don't want to do that today. But what's the heart what does a genuine follower, disciple of Jesus Christ say? Not my will, but your will be done. I want to do what you want, because what you want is what is best. So no matter what we're going through, whether we like it or not, trust God's will in it and rely on him and plow through it in his strength, right? Praying for, being in, and doing God's will should be our highest priority. It shouldn't be tagged on the back of our life. It shouldn't be something that's just some little extra sliver that we've allowed space in our life. It should be throughout our life. His will, moment by moment, day by day, doing his, his will for our life, being the people 
that he's called us to be inside the church, outside the church, but really spiritually we are the church, being God's people, right? The Apostle Paul prayed this for the Christians at the Church of Colossae. Colossians 1.9. I love this. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You know what it means? It means letting go of our life and letting God's life work through us. It, it, it means that we find joy in knowing what God's will is. We find joy in growing in knowledge of him. We find joy in the wisdom of God. We find joy in spiritual understanding. We find joy in the fullness of the knowledge and the practice and the purpose and the relationship of Jesus in our lives. And that's the priority. That's what God wants. And, and God only, through that, God only wants to bless us. And through that, God will bring glory to him and to his name. And we'll be a part of it. God didn't have to include us. I said that earlier. But he includes us as we walk by faith to know that one day he'll honor us as we honor him here on earth. And why did Paul want these Christians to be filled with the knowledge of God's will? Colossians 1.10 That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, if you were to take that and go, man, okay, Lord, I want to walk worthy of the Lord. That means I'm going to do my best in you, through you, to be yielded to you today. We're worthy through Jesus Christ. We're in Jesus Christ. We're worthy to walk with him and to know him and to grow in these things. And to have this deep relationship. I want to walk my life in a way that I'm walking closely with you. If we're not, if we're rebelling or rejecting or, or in sin or all, any of that type of stuff, then we violate the worthwhileness of us being able to walk with God. Does that make sense? Sin causes us not to walk worthy. So deal with that. Put it out. Yield to Christ, die to self, live to Christ, walk worthy, fully pleasing him, not of our own strength or our own accord, because we can't end of ourselves, but only through Jesus Christ, being fruitful in every good work, which means, okay, Lord, today is this day. I want your will. I want to be in your will through whatever you have for me today, right? And through those situations, I want every good work to be done that you want to do through me today in that situation. And increasing in the knowledge of God. It's not saying, oh good, I got more book knowledge. No, it's increasing in the knowledge of your relationship with God, the Father. That's awesome. That's awesome. There are people out there that can read your Bible back and forth better than you can that don't know Jesus and will fight you. Doesn't mean they know Jesus because they know the word. It's knowing him. That's what's important. So knowing God's will helps us to walk in a worthy manner and pleases God. And a simple prayer today is, Father, thank you for today. I want to be in your will today. Organize my day. A simple plan in heart would say, Lord, I just want you to be pleased with what I do in following you today. I want to be in your will. 
So in your prayers to God our Father, seek his will so that you can know how to walk worthy in him and glorify his name on earth. Father, I need you today. Father, I need you to just hold me close. Father, I need you to help me to be sensitive to your will. Father, I need you to, to help me that when I recognize what your will is, to give me the grace to follow through with your will. Might be an attitude, might be uh, uh, what we're supposed to say or what we're supposed to do or the agenda for the day, whatever it is. To say, Father, I'm yours and I want to be in your will takers. I want you to plan your will for me today and I pray that you'll help me to be faithful to it. We live that type of life more and more in depth that way with that focus we're going to know that our life was used to the deepest point that god would have it have our lives to be used you know what i'm saying missionaries that commit themselves and we can go to that extreme but just living daily life as believers in christ in the world we live in being his people yielded to him in the simplicity of lord today is the schedule show me the schedule and walk me through whatever we got today. And to know that we've walked through it with him faithfully, at the end of the day, we can say, check, complete it, fulfilling the will of my Father today. That's what God wants. That's what Jesus, that's how Jesus lived. And that's what God calls us to live. Let's go to the Lord. Father, I want to thank you for each one here today. I want to thank you for, Father, just the fact that, um, you're so much more than just being called our Father, the fact that you are our Father. The depth of what that means, the, the, the relationship that it means that we have with you, that you have with us, your love for us, your purposes, your plans, your will, just that you're our Father, we're your child, and uh, help us to love you more. Father, you, you put it on Jesus' heart to say, if you love me, you keep my commandments. We're not just speaking about what the written word is saying, although that obviously we are called to do. But it's about being sensitive to you, Father, and what you want us to do. Because we love you. And if we can come at the end of the day and rest back on you as, as our Father and say, it's been a good day, Father. It's been a real good day. It's been a good day because of you, because you carried me through either the challenge or the struggle or, or the heartache or whatever, or, or because I know that, that I've been faithful to whatever your will was for today, or, or you helped me to control my tongue and to speak the way you would have me to, or whatever the circumstance that we, if we know that we can look at our day and say, Lord, I've walked with you today with a clear conscience, knowing that we've accomplished what you have for us to do. And praise you, Father, for that. Help us to be sensitive to you when, you when you prod our hearts, when you tug on our spiritual heartstrings, if you will, when you are telling us and leading us and directing us, maybe um, to, to direct us into your will. Help us to be sensitive to you and your promptings. And Father, thank you for adopting us. You love us. You gave your son for us. There is no way to describe how great your love is, but the relationship that you want with us is deeper than what we can even imagine, and you allow us to taste that relationship here and now, this side of heaven. 
And I look forward, Father, to the day when we're all together with you and the fullness of your kingdom has come and we are experiencing life as you intend for us to experience with you and for your glory. Now, Father, I just pray and ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And God's people said,